Howdy. Thanks for coming along. This is the Evening Chores Podcast, presented by Adobe Owl Ranch. We're located in the high desert of southeastern Arizona, and the goal of this podcast is to provide some insight and information regarding raising livestock and potentially gardening in the high desert environment we have here, the arid desert type environment, which doesn't get quite as dreadfully hot as, oh, say, Phoenix or the surface of the sun. I hope you enjoy it. Please listen in, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Tonight, as I walk around and do these chores, I thought I might have a a different sort of a thing. I, I've been emailing back and forth with some so- folks, and I kind of wanted to clear up some of how we keep these animals in here. So, I, as I said on a previous episode, I primarily use a an electric fence to keep hogs in. But I wasn't sure if I was quite clear enough on how that works and, and what's required. So I'm going to go feed my hogs, hope I don't get shocked, and try to explain it out a little bit better. So, when I am farrowing, I make sure that my sows are in a a hard-sided type pen. So it's either and hard-sided meaning that it's just not a it's not an electric fence only sort of a situation. Uh, apologies for the pa- pause there. I heard a weird noise and dark out. Sometimes I wonder what's going on here. It was nothing. Anyway, so my plan when I'm farrowing is I have them in. Usually it's a hog panel pen. It's it's plenty big. You know, they've got room to determine a, um, a, a nesting location. I have this weird feeling that I'm carrying this bag of feed and there's a mouse in it. So I'm going to go over here and get out of the way in a hurry. Anyway, so that's how, that's the plan. You know, I have a, a, this. I don't see a hole in this bag here. This is a complete aside, isn't it? Anyway, there's definitely a hole in the side of the bag. <laughs> my mouse population is coming up and my pig well, my cat population has gone down recently so it's sad but, you know, happens yeah, I don't see any vermin in here I think it was just feed, feed falling out on its own anyway that's the, the travails of doing this stuff at night sound carries better at night so anyway, that's the, the farrowing happens in a location where I don't have to worry about sows or piglets getting out of that area. Soon after, though, I start conditioning everybody back to electric fence. Now, 
you may even still have your electric fence up inside that structure so that your sow doesn't lean on it and all that because that will happen and knocked over by these pigs so that's the number one thing you can't expect your piglets to stay in with an electric wire they don't ground right if they did it would be kind of cruel I think because piglets just don't have the mental capacity to understand what's going on you know it's just they're basically infants you got to treat them as such so they will you know they would get shocked unnecessarily you don't have to worry about that at least where i'm at you know here in the high desert because they will they won't pass a current you know they're basically standing on little insulators with their hooves the fence just can't it can't actually impact them hardly at all so they don't they don't tend to have much of a reaction to it but you do need therefore to have a, a hog panel which is specifically made to hold piglets in you know they've got a a closer together wire spacing on the on the bottom of the panel than a oh like a hog panel does or sorry than a cattle panel does so a hog panel and a cattle panel actually have the same number of horizontal wires but a hog panel is a shorter panel so they scrunch up the bottom let's see one two three five or six closer together making the whole thing a shorter you know distance wise closer to the ground the top wire being close to the ground so that keeps your piglets from running out now would most of the piglets come back to the sow as soon as i don't know they got hungry or whatever sure but that's playing with fire you don't want to do that you want to keep everything contained to the greatest ex extent possible for your safety their safety you know if the if a piglet was to get out and start raising cane somewhere or another sort of the property well that fence isn't going to keep your sow in they're going to go berserk most likely and go looking for that piglet and, and break through anything on the way and and i don't necessarily mind that i want a, a relatively protective sow you know that it keeps them from laying on their piglets and all that which i can get into if i haven't already it's but for the purposes of electric fencing as i said you're going to want your hog panel that holds your piglets in you may want also a hot wire to keep your sow from leaning on that fence because it depends on you know if it's rainy season or whatever well you might have some issues with her knocking things over and then oh around weaning time probably you can start introducing your piglets to an electric fence and what i do in that case is i have them 
again, I if I separate out my piglets to wean, I've got a a, a chain link fence area that I use for that. That seems to work really well because they can't, you know, they, they just can't get through it. And you've got to make sure that your chain link is well staked at the bottom. I've got some boards holding the, the bottom of mine down. And it gives them a, you know, a good sized area to be in, but it also allows them, you know, to be a, a little more spring back because a pig's natural reaction when something happens is to, oh, hello piglets, is to break through it. So when they get shocked the first few times, their initial reaction is to push forward and go under it. So a cow's natural reaction usually will be to jump over an obstacle, you know, a deer, any of those sorts of things. Goats, sheep can jump. A pig's natural reaction is a bulldozer. It's going to try to go under. So it you got to have your your fence closer to the ground. A lot of times when people think, because for a cow, you know, you want it like, well, I guess it's nose height either way, but it's, for a lot of pigs, it's closer to the ground than you'd think. So, yeah, and I'm looking at these piglets here right now, and they, they wouldn't ground at all. They're what, I don't know, maybe two months old and already feisty. The one's pushing the other one out of the way, but, and you get back. I may have to toss in some separate food bowls here. They're already getting protective on feed here, which is always, always interesting to me. But, so you, when you're training pigs to an electric fence, like for this one here, I've got a, you know, it's a decent sized little paddock here for two tiny piglets. They can run full speed, not run into anything. So I'll take along, probably initially, along the short edge, and I will run an electric wire, now well, maybe eight inches out from that. You don't want to, you don't want to give enough space, or I don't think, like for me, you either want to give a lot of space behind it or none. You know, if you wanted to split the paddock right in half, yeah, but they're just going to break it down constantly. So what I do is run the wire really close to the edge of the of the paddock. I will put a wire there. I'll make sure that it is really hot. You know, so my fencer runs 10,000 volts. You know, it doesn't run hardly any milliamps, but it will wake you up if you touch it. So you run that somewhere between, you know, this fence lines vary. All of mine are crooked, so between three and 10 inches off of the fence because you want them to come right back is my point. You know, if they go through that fence, they're not going to be comfortable in there. They're going to bounce right back through the wire probably before it resets and then approach it again later on. What I do with mine, I want them to get a really good jolt. So I make sure that my ground rods have really good connection. A way that you can do that if you have ground rod issues, there's a, there's a few. One is take a five-gallon bucket, drill like a 16th-inch hole in the bottom of it, fill the five-gallon bucket up with water, put it right next to your ground rod with, the, with that hole facing the ground rod so it very slowly will, will seep out 
and keep that ground rod well grounded into the earth. Another way you can, if you, if you use steel fence posts, run your electric wire there and then just right near the ground, run another electric wire and just wire it directly to the, po the post. That'll kind of federate your grounding problem along a whole bunch of posts, some of which will always be in the ground or will always be wetter than others. I haven't done that, but I, I know a guy back home that, that did. It worked really well. And the other thing for me when I'm doing this, you get you make sure your fence is hot. You make sure that that wire is tight. You're putting it in a short area so you can have a super tight wire so it's not floppy, it's not moving around all over the place. You want it to be a good, solid barrier for them. Then I actually will moisten the ground where they would stand when they explore that wire with their nose because I want the first shock to be really tough because I don't actually I the goal for me is that they shouldn't actually notice they shouldn't want to go back for another shock and they should say okay this wire hurts I don't want to touch it I think that for me it seems more humane than you know something getting you know 15 minor shocks as you know, somebody that's been shocked several times, and uh, it's like a monthly occurrence for me. I, I get shocked all the time on the fence, but nobody will get shocked on your on your property more than the electric fence repairman. So don't don't feel too bad for anything else because that whoever that is, in my case, it's me. Will forget to turn the fence off occasionally, and then you think, oh, I, I think I turned it off, and you grab a hold of it, and it'll just it'll light your world up. So. You've got your your wire tied really nice and tight. It's insulated. I have I put in more insulators than usual to hold it off the ground there. I will use the same kind of posts. I use a poly post. I use the same posts along that stretch so they kind of get used to seeing the posts and the and the same kind of wire, all that. I try to make it all the same. I moisten the ground there and then I leave it for a few days. If I notice that nobody's hitting it, then I will actually sometimes move a feeder over there or I'll put some feed behind it because if those pigs don't hit that fence, it's not doing you any good. They will not learn unless they hit it. So they've got to touch the fence or they just won't learn. And then if you try to turn those pigs out into a paddock, they will just be all over the neighborhood. So you put some feed behind it. Maybe you put the, you don't want to make it the only source of, of food or water, but put something interesting over there, you know, put something that they like, I don't know, toss a carrot over behind it, whatever. Then they will go over and explore. They'll, they will hit the fence a few times. I leave it that way for it, probably at least two weeks. That way they've got, you know, all the pigs have time to experience it. This is a good time to be doing other learning activities with your hogs. You know, I, I use nipple waterers here, so you can introduce them to nipple waters. I don't do that when they're really young piglets. Like these piglets here, they don't have a nipple waterer yet because I don't, I just don't trust the really young animals to remember. And I never want to be the cause of, you know, anything suffering if I can absolutely help it. So I have you know, free choice open water 
for them for the f first few months of their life. And then I transition over from that open water to a nipple water or with open water available to. A lot of times pigs will prefer the water that comes out of the nipple water or it's cleaner. A lot of times it's cooler. So you, the way you, there's several ways to do that. You can put a, you put your nipple waterers out. You make sure that they are not too high pressure. So I actually install a valve behind mine. If you get piglet nipple waterers, they are already, it's a reduced fitting of some kind. I don't really, I've never taken one apart, but they won't just spray it all over the way that the big adult waterers will. Even those, I put a little valve on there. I turn them down because a lot of times you have a manifold of waterers. You'll have four or five waterers. And yeah, I mean, that will build up pressure over time. You know, because it's not a it's not a regulator; it's a valve. You, if you had a regulator, if you were into that, you could install that in place. But for mine, I just put that valve. It reduces the flow, so they aren't getting you know just water spraying all over the place when they hit the the nipple waterer. So you can have that in there at the same time. Oh, so to train them to it, I've had good luck with just I've got a, a long pair of pliers that I carry everywhere with me. I'll get into that on on the equipment show, but I will, whenever a pig is over near it, I will take those pliers because, you know, it, it removes me from the, from the water to some extent and I'll actuate the, the stainless steel center on the nipple water. So water comes out. A lot of times pigs are naturally curious. They'll come over, they'll play with it. They'll start biting on it. They explore everything with their mouth and they'll learn how to, how it works. Now, if you have one, you know, if you have some pigs that just, they don't learn that way, you know, you see them, they're not, they're not playing with it. I haven't had to do this, but I have heard from, from people that the quick way to teach a pig like that is put peanut butter on the, on that waterer then. If you smear some peanut butter up in the waterer, they'll try to get it out. When they do, they're going to bite that water, that, that center part of it, and it will, then it'll, you know, the water will spray out. They'll say, okay, this is where water comes from. Over over time, they'll learn that way. But pigs as a group are, are pretty smart animals, so they usually will will learn without that. So at the same time, you can be teaching them to electric fence. You can be teaching them to nipple water. If you have a, a, uh, a feeder of some kind, you know, it's not just an open pit. If you have the free range or the free choice, feeder with the door on it. It's a good time to put that in there. Pigs learn those things really fast. It's just, it's a door they lift up with their nose, keep some of the water out of it, those sorts of things. They make also some of the bulk feeders, they have to move the thing inside. You know, they have to move, it's this little circle bar sort of a thing they push with their nose and that, that causes the feed to fall out. These are all great things to be teaching in some way at the same time because you're in a, a smaller area where you can make sure that everybody has the hang of whatever the thing is that you're trying to do. So you've taught them to your electric, make sure everybody's been shocked a few times. Like I said, normally, you know, once, twice is, is pretty good and they, get, they give it a wide berth. If you see a pig within like eight inches of the wire, that pig probably hasn't been shocked yet because they 
they get to where I think they can smell the ozone coming off of it or something. They they know when that wire is hot, and they know what the wire is. So they'll they'll give it a decent berth, or at least mine do. That might be a different sort of a situation, but that's what mine do. I carry a, an electric fence tester with me, you know, several days out of the month, and I will go out and, and make sure that I'm still maxing out that tester. Mine only goes to 10,000 volts, and, and as I said, that's what the what what has worked really well for me. I keep everything in with just that wire. So then when you move your pigs from that contained area with the, the more solid structure out into a paddock, I put two wires. For the first little bit that they're out there, you know, maybe the, maybe until I move them the first time, I have a short wire and a tall wire, and that'll be, you know, a few inches off the ground, and then maybe a foot off the ground. And that's, there's two reasons for that. One is, I tend to think that it will keep your pigs in better because, the, you know, the the presence of two wires, it's easier for them to see and all that. Additionally, you will often have pigs of different heights. So you'll have, you know, some that grow faster, some that grow shorter, or, you know, they, they grow slower. And then some pigs will just be taller, and others will end up being a little bit shorter. So that helps with everything. You know, it keeps the keeps everybody honest, keeps them all in. And look at my fencer here. So what the kind of fencer I use, I use a Patriot fencer. They've done it's done really well for me. It's a dual purpose fencer. It actually can run off of either a 12 volt battery, like a deep cycle battery, or 110. So if your power goes out you can plug it onto a your trolling motor battery or whatever. And I don't know if I said it's a P30. It's uh, so right on the front it says Patriot Dual Purpose Fence Energizer P30, rated for 65 miles or 200 acres. And you know, 65 miles or 200 acres is those are kind of meaningless things to say because yeah, I mean, first an acre is not an, a unit of length. So it doesn't even work that way. But 65 miles, and that's it wouldn't it wouldn't actually work over 65 miles, I don't think, because you're going to have a lot of vegetation in that amount of space, and you might have more than one wire. And this is covering the the continuation of the whole wire. You know, it's if you got three wires, well now you're down to 20 miles. So there is a, let's see, it says it's rated for outdoor use. It's 300 milliamps, I think. Although that could have to do with the, let's see, Patriot P30 12 volt. It looks like a dash there, milliamps, outdoor use. These are made in New Zealand, so I think they use them a lot with sheep. Down there, that 200 milliamps. I'm not. When you get down to this sort of a thing, I'm not really sure. I don't know how many 
you know, jewels it puts out or, or anything. I just know I've been shocked by it a fair amount and it's not fun. So that hangs up in my well house. From there, you can't just use any old uh, wire. You have to invest in either electric fence wire, which is, there's a couple of different types, or a poly braid. If you're going to the poly fence, don't, I wouldn't even bother with the twisted stuff. Uh, go over to Greg Judy's channel. He's on YouTube. He does really good explanations of the different types of, of fence. And that, I think, is a, that's how I decided on the different ones. His post recommendations are great. I think it's an O'Brien post. And they're like, I can't remember, they're 2 or $4 a piece. And they are worth every cent including the time it takes to sharpen the, the stakes on the bottom. So for the fence, you know, you've got whatever your conductor is, make sure that that conductor is tight. If you are not running your electric fence wire directly from your charger, you're going to have to invest in insulated wire. And this is not insulated wire like anything else in the property, because that many volts, if you try to use like a, like a piece of Romex or, you know, the wire out of, you know, you wired your trailer with or something, it will not work. It just doesn't even, it's, it's not even close. This, the wire that you use for this has got a really thick insulated coating on it. Rated for burial, it, it's not actually that expensive. And especially if it's a place where you walk around you know, between where your, your charger is and where your fence is, it is worth it. Because otherwise you'll hit yourself in the shins with wire constantly and you get shocked until you just can't stand it. If you're as forgetful and clumsy as I am, at least. So go get yourself a roll of that. You know, put it in a piece of conduit, bury it out to your external perimeter fencing or whatever, bring your legs off of that. However it is you want to do, if you want more information on that, you can email me. I'll talk it through with you if I can do any help. So I was at two wires for the first paddock. So you've got your two wires going around, one really close to the ground, one slightly higher that keeps everybody in. This is kind of where things get easier to me. You know, I use the poly braid. I've got a couple of reels. When you move your pigs, you just put in some posts. You run your reel around that. You open up a section in between, and it, for me, my pigs don't like to go near anything that they thought was an electric wire, so they will not approach it. Now you can, if if you have if a need to move them more quickly, you can. I just let them slowly migrate from one to the other. I move I move their feed over, and they're very food motivated. So when you move a hog's feed it's going to follow within a few hours. And if you need them to move faster, you can also move their water over. I wouldn't personally do that, but you could. And if you need them to move even faster, what you can do is bring your tractor a little box blade or a little blade of some kind of drag and just scrub out where the fence line was. And that seems to help quite a bit. Then they'll, they'll cross it with no issues, but they learn to recognize the, I don't know if it's the change in, I don't know what it is, I just have noticed that that helps, moving the earth around there. 
So now you're at kind of the, the keeping them in phase. What I have almost done a few times accidentally is let the fence get too low. So you don't want it to be too high, but you also don't want it to be too low. You get you figs are in there and they will get to where they don't, you know, they don't see it. And it, when it's close to the ground, it's much more likely to be grounded out. You know, you'll have some plants or you know, part of it will get saggy. It shouldn't. You should be watching for that, but it can happen nonetheless. Ignore that noise. It's me. i a couple of boxes here. Then, so you, you know what, you want to move that wire up. For this, you know, my my sow here, the big girl, she's 700 pounds of, of pretty decent legged sow. So her wire hits right below my knee. And that's about as high as I can imagine having it. They, it keeps her in, no issues. My Beauregard's fence a little bit shorter. My feeder pigs, because they get short legs, theirs is even shorter. You really just have to size the fence height to the hogs that, you've, that you are keeping in with it. And you shouldn't have any issues. Just keep on top of it. You need to be walking your fence once in a while if you're not moving your pigs regularly. Uh, the other day I walked around, I noticed that I've got some place where a mesquite tree... So it's, it's started getting a little bit more growth on the mesquite trees here. One of the mesquite trees has grown up and sent out some runners. And it's now interfering with my fence. So I need to take in a pair of well, cutters of some kind or chainsaw over there and cut that part of the tree out. You can you know, carry a set of pruning shears with you. If you're somewhere not like where I am, you know, run your weed eater along. That'll help a lot. If you if you run your weed eater, it'll keep the the grass from growing up because it doesn't take a lot of vegetation to really pull your fence down. <clears throat> if at some point I'll do a video, I can't really explain it over audio, but I will do a video on how to build your fence corners, at least the way I do it, because the the poly posts are a flexible post, and if you just try to stick them in and and move forward with that kind of a, a corner, you'll have a really loose fence that your hogs will get out of all the time. Because they can kind of sense when it's weak, and they don't like to get shocked, but if it's loose, they, they'll go over it. You know, if it's on the ground, eventually they'll, they'll quit noticing that it's there, and lose track of it be pigs all over the neighborhood which is not how you make friends by the way I haven't had any get out here that left the property but that's just not not neighborly let's see the so I went over I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I should go over there are some really good solar solutions you know a solar charger and especially if you know if you're in the high desert you got sun for days so go ahead and take advantage of that and then you can move your your 
fence charger somewhere further afield, you know, you can put it out on the fence rather than moving the fence to it, maybe, or, or rather than moving the, the wire out to the edge. You know, I don't, I don't know what your situation is, but that might be something that would assist, and well, then do that. Because there's, there's no call and run an extra wire if you don't actually have to. Ooh, this is a goopy mess. It's going to be popular with this pig. It's kind of soupy. <clears throat> Ooh. That's kind of gross, actually. But, you know, pigs aren't people. They don't they don't like the same things. They, you feed a pig a fresh cabbage, they're just not, a, not really about it. They sit there for a couple of days, and all of a sudden they just love it. Anyway, that's another sidebar. But you probably ate supper already. You're listening to this, so it's, it's probably fine at that point. The the worst thing I think most people will have problems with, and this is departing from the electric fence, but getting water to your hogs is a pain, and I've discussed that I use, you know, like air hose, an air compressor line for a lot of that. You can also, if you have the space, you, or the, the time, you can bury low pressure, and, you know, what do they call it, it's like irrigation type hose. you got to have a good regulator for that, but you can bury that, and one thing I would say if you do that, or really any of it, what would be a great idea is to put a flow meter on your main connection point. If you do that, you can track how much water is actually being used by your animals and notice if there is a leak. So if you look around and there's no animals near any of your waterers, you're on nipple waterers, or if you go out and shut off all of the, the, you know, your hydrants or whatever you have out there, and there's still a water flow, well, now you need to start digging, figure out where it comes from. And being as warm as it is, you can run a lot of the water on top of the ground, but you need to keep it under something so it doesn't stay hot. So it, it isn't a freezing issue. It's actually the opposite problem. Otherwise... You're in black plastic pipe on top of the ground you know, for a hundred yards somewhere. The water coming out the other end of that pipe might be 180 degrees, and that's you know that's a cruel thing to do. So don't make sure that you're allowing a place for the water to to stay cool or to cool down before the animals get to it. Either option I think is is fine as long as they have cool water. It's it's okay in my book. And the electric fence, really, some people think it's cruel. I guess maybe after you get shocked a few times and realize it doesn't actually injure you, maybe that changes your opinion. I don't know. But I think it's a, it's a very economical, safe, and, and simple. You know, it's an easy to 
to install solution to keep your animals in, and it's useful for various animal breeds as well as predator control. You know, you can use that same fence to keep coyotes out that you use to keep your, your pigs in or whatever. That's a big dog. Anytime you feed him, he feels the need to bark. I don't know why. He always barks once or twice. He's actually barking at the other dog that's in here. Showing his dominance, I suppose. Actually, sure. But that's the most I've ever heard him bark over food, so. And no, he is not. I can actually walk up and take his food bowl away from him. He is not food possessive. He's. I think he's discussing with that other dog that he gets to choose which food bowl he wants to eat out of. And they're best of friends the rest of the time, so it all works out. There's another way that you can move your fencer, now that I think about it, which might also be advantageous. Check your local uh, regulations and all that. Go talk to the county board or whatever. But you can also install a, an electric line out to you know, either a, a post near the edge of your property or, you know, there, there's ways that you can safely run all of this stuff out to the edge where you want your wire to be without causing any uh, danger to anybody. And then you could say have a security light out there or whatever, it would be a, an available option, which might not be with with a solar kind of an array. Depends on you know, how big the how big of a solar array you go with. But I believe I have discussed that through. I realized after I had emailed back and forth with a couple of folks who had questions that it probably wasn't as clear as it should have been the first time that I discussed it. But I think really the main thing is make sure you use plenty of grounding rods, especially here in the desert southwest. You're going to have to use multiple grounding rods of some type. And I guess that will require probably the use of a water pick to get it into the ground. So there's using, using tap pressure on, say, a half or three-quarter inch pipe. You cut the end of the pipe down so it's a it's a small hole, so it increases the pressure and reduces reduces the volume, and then you can use that to to basically drill a hole into the earth using water, and then you can put your ground rod in, and then you know T-post driver drive the the fence or the the ground rod the rest of the way in. A lot of them are like six feet long. Actually, here on my property, it was not possible to get six feet in the ground. I There's a, a layer of rock down there. And if you were to get through it, you wouldn't add much grounding capability because there isn't, you know, it's a, there's actually some airspace between some of those rocks because the layer above it is such firm caliche that you, when you dig down there, it's still a loose aggregate material. So get them in as far as you can. You can use more than one. You can daisy chain them. If you just make sure when you put your ground rods in 
you buy your grounding wire at the same time and your ground clamps. So there's a special kind of clamp that will get you a really good connection between your ground wire and your ground stake, but you want those to all be similar materials. If you try to use a, oh, a copper wire with a, a galvanized ground stake, you can end up with some corrosion, which will reduce the efficacy of your of your system. So I went with copper all the way around. So copper from the, the ground post on the fencer out to the ground stakes. I've had several daisy chained together. Right now I got one in a, a deeper way and it's in a, a wetter area of my property because it's over near the, the well house. And I've actually never measured the fence and gotten under 10,000 volts unless it was just a dead short, you know, where part of the fence lay on the ground or something. There's, so that's the one part. The other thing is, I said you got to have an insulated wire if you're running from one, you know, if you didn't want to run into it. I actually have a place where I ran it kind of like a high wire. I ran it over overhead, so I've got a tall post that comes out of the side of the well house. It goes up to that tall post and then comes down from an insulator there, it comes down and then that energizes a different part of the of the lot. But that comes with its own danger. If you are not if you're not working by yourself on a property, I don't know if I'd recommend that unless it's pretty high up. Because I've almost run into that a few times and somehow getting shocked on the head is one of the worst things. If you're going to get shocked in one spot, it just it really bites. So I don't know if I recommend that unless you're going to keep it, you know, probably 15 feet in the air where you can walk under with something. It just it sucks to get shocked when you don't realize it. When you're working on the fence, you kind of expect it, but if you're just walking along and you get buzzed out of nowhere, it it is no fun at all. So that's a but it's a it's another option to get it. A, across and all that fence all that post is actually a tall piece of angle iron and an insulator and the angle iron is tied onto a t-post and i couldn't go any taller without bending that post it would it actually pull it out of the ground if i was to put any more torsion on that of course you could you know ground wire guy wire it but just get the insulator that's a better solution most of the time if you have to run a, a wire a long distance or a, a medium distance, I guess, over, say, to your perimeter fencing or or to a fence that goes out to your perimeter fencing. You know, then you can run your wire along the top, run around the entire property and pull off a leg to whatever paddock you're using, possibly with a piece of that insulated wire. You know, like my property, I've got a path that goes all the way around the outside. So I'll never run an electric wire across that because my kids ride their bicycles. I go walk. My wife runs around that path with the dogs. I I just don't want to have that that obscured in any way. In fact, I drive on it sometimes. You know, if you're taking a, a like a pallet of feed somewhere, sometimes you want to be able to, to dump it off at different locations. And it's good to have those roadways where you can use them, which is something else to think about, you know, that with the overhead, 
you can't drive anything other than my tiny tractor through there and without without hitting it but nothing else will fit through you wouldn't be able to drive any any larger sort of a, a piece of equipment through there just because of the width that it is so just something to keep in mind there's a lot of inventive ways and I'd, I'd love to hear about them if you come up with something that you think works great that I didn't mention or if you have something that you use if you have recommendations for uh, either posts or fence conductors or fence energizers or ground stakes or layouts for paddocks if you have some equation you use that is especially if it's desert related for how much area you use per hog per day you know it's, it's however it is then please send that over and you know put it out in the next podcast publish it you know on the website if you if you are interested in that i can put it up there that's www.adobeowlranch.com and if you're trying to send somebody directly to this podcast you can send it to eveningchores.com it auto forwards to the podcast page on the adobe owl ranch website this it's available the the podcast is available on all the major podcast outlets if you would please go over and rate and subscribe and hit the like however that system is and look us up on facebook and youtube and thanks for listening hopefully you you get your own property up and i'll be able to hear about that soon I'll catch you next time here at Evening Chores. Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I appreciate you listening all the way through like this. And if you would, please share it out. You know, you can go right to the website. You can get the URL there if you're into the RSS sort of a thing. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify, you know, Amazon Podcast. There's all, it's all kinds of places. Oh, look at that. I just got caught a pig sleeping in the feeder. They're crazy animals. It's, it's a sleepy world here. Anyway, please go to those places, rate, subscribe, share. That helps the, the reach of the podcast. And, you know, it's nice to, on my end, I'll be honest, it's a little bit selfish for me, but it's, it's nice to know that I'm not just speaking into the abyss. That somebody's actually listening. So if you want to send a comment, actually if you want to send a comment that's more individualized, you can send it to eveningchores at gmail.com and I'll get it that way. I appreciate you listening. Thanks and good night.